24 in the monitor. Thank you. 
everyone welcome welcome to contemporary service we're so excited that you're joining us this morning for worship we like to kick off our contemporary service with some worship of God through music why don't you stand and join us if you did grab an action card on your way in this morning we ask that you fill that out if you didn't you're always welcome to go out and grab one and during communion you can bring it up drop it in the basket that's a great way for us to know you're here but also for you to find out about all the different things that are going on here at Noblesville First ways you can get involved we'd love to have you get involved here in the ministries of Noblesville First let's sing together Oh, my 
we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to come here today to worship, to join together as a community of believers. God, we just ask as we do worship today, as we join one voice lifting to you or to you, that you would hear us as a pleasing sound in your ears. But more than that, God, that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds, ready to go into the world to make it look more like your kingdom. That the words, your kingdom come, your will be done, are not just something we say, but something that we live, something that changes the world around us to look more and more like the love that your son came to show this world. Change us today, God. Break into us and make us yours. We thank you so much for the opportunity to worship your name. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
invite you to turn and pass the peace of Christ to those around you. to Contemporary Worship. I am Pastor Jill. This is Pastor Matt and our lovely praise band. We are so glad you are joining us this morning, whether here or online. And we hope that you will have a meaningful, authentic, welcoming space to worship this morning as we gather together. We also are continuing today our We're Back series, which we're talking about the things that we have been missing out on because of COVID. And while we understand that while the future is uncertain, we are still able to come together and celebrate perhaps some things that we've been missing over the past two years, really, at this point. So today we are talking about Christian conferencing, what that means and how we can come together and have conversations. So I invite you to join me now in the call to worship. All you who would be friends, all you who would be neighbors, let us learn from the example of Jesus, the care and concern of Jesus for others. We're founded on the love of God, the God we come here to worship today. Let us join now through love and devotion and in word and song. Let us praise our Lord God. Let us worship God in spirit and truth. And let us give to God our joy and our lives. And now let's pray together. I invite you to reflect silently for a few moments, lifting up the prayers on your hearts and your minds, followed by a pastoral prayer, and then we'll lift up the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray together. Lord God, we gather together this morning with the the words ringing in our ears of the song, singing, You are good. You are good. So God, gather us in this morning to worship your goodness and to experiencing, experiencing it for ourselves. Lord, we come from so many different places in our lives, many different journeys that we are on. And so we give thanks for this time where our journeys come together for a brief moment. We know, God, the struggles of our own lives as well as the lives of others. So we take a moment to name those this morning that we need to be mindful of. We lift up, O God, those who are grieving this morning. For those who are struggling with health concerns or challenges. For those feeling anxious. 
for those who struggle with anxiety or depression, for those struggling with addiction, for those struggling to discern what's next, for those who are seeking. And Lord, we know that you come to us in all times, all places, all seasons. And even when we don't feel you near us, O oh God, give us the knowledge that you are in fact with us every step of the way. As we keep in mind those around the world who are hurting as well, from the earthquake in Haiti to the people of Afghanistan, to places around the world filled with violence, disease, famine, hatred, warfare. Send your healing spirit, holy God, that we may in turn be your hands and feet to offer compassion, mercy, and justice. So we lift up these words and the words and the cries of each heart here in the name of Jesus, as he teaches us to pray by saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Open the eyes of my heart I want to see 
Okay, wait, 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 I wasn't ready. On your mark, get set, ready. I am Mason Thompson. Today's scripture comes from the book of Acts. Some people come down from Judea teaching the family of believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom we received from Moses, you can't be saved. Paul and Barnabas took sides against these Judeans and argued strongly against their position. The church at Antioch appointed Paul and Barnabas and several others from Antioch to go up to Jerusalem to set this question before the apostles and the elders. When they arrived in Jerusalem, the church, the apostles, and the elders all welcomed them. They gave a full report of what God had accomplished through their activity. Some believers from among the Pharisees stood up and claimed, The Gentiles must be circumcised. They must be required to keep the law from Moses. The apostles and the elders gathered to consider this matter. After much debate, Peter stood and addressed them. Fellow believers, you know that early on, God chose me from among you as the one through whom the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and come to believe. God, who knows the people's deepest thoughts and desires, confirmed confirmed this by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, but purified their deepest thoughts and desires through faith. The entire assembly felt quiet as they listened to Barnabas and Paul describe all the signs and wonders God did among the Gentiles through their activity. When Barnabas and Paul also fell silent, James responded, Fellow believers, listen to me. Simon reported how, in his kindness, God came to the Gentiles in the first place to raise up from them a people of God. Therefore, I conclude that we shouldn't create problems for Gentiles who turn to God. Instead, we should write a letter telling them to avoid the pollution associated with idols, sexual immortality, eating meat from strangled animals, and consuming blood. We thank God for the gift of Scripture. So as we continue our We're Back series, we're talking about Christian conferencing today and the Jerusalem Council from the Book of Acts, which you just heard, was one of those instances of Christian conferencing, or really, that's a nice word for a heated debate uh, that happened in, in the church. So I'll share with you that several years ago at the church I served on the south side of Indianapolis, I had a church member approach me after the service during the, the coffee hour, and he was obviously very distraught about something I had said during my sermon. And he said to me, is there a time in scripture where a group of people changed their mind on something? And without much hesitation, I mentioned this story from the book of Acts, the Jerusalem Council, where the leaders in Jerusalem agreed that as long as the Gentiles were following the basic laws of Torah, they did not have to be circumcised in order to be fully brought into the life of the church. Unfortunately, though, this person did not accept my answer. <laughs> he became even more irate when I explained that since biblical times, the church has, after much debate, of course, changed its mind on slavery, on women and ministry and leadership, on gender roles, and many, many other things that we could debate. It was then that this person walked away disappointed, and after a few weeks, he and his wife actually left the church. Now, I'll admit, I was frustrated by this interaction and the decisions that followed, 
but it served as a reminder to me that unless all of the parties have open hearts to receive and hear what the other is saying, we won't get very far. It serves as a reminder to me that this story found in the book of Acts is a vital turning point in the life of the early church. Because without debate and difficult conversation in the early church, I doubt that we would be standing here today. And let's just put it out on the table. I think, men, you'd be very relieved, right? Let's just throw it out there. So the teeter, that got a round of applause from the men in the group. <laughs> the unwillingness, though, of both parties would have caused more harm than good, and the church would have suffered for it. So let's take a look at the key players in this text. We have the early Jewish Christians and the Pharisees who are telling the non-Jewish believers that they must be circumcised according to the law of Moses in order to be saved and fully accepted into the life of the church. Then we have Paul and Barnabas who are saying, no way, no way. And then there are the apostles and the elders who meet to debate and make the decision. And of course, Peter and James who are advocating for full inclusion of the Gentiles. But the bottom line is this. Should the Gentiles submit themselves fully to Jewish law, including having a painful bodily procedure in order to be fully accepted into the life of the church of Jesus? But the root of this difficult conversation is really about the need to belong, how we belong, to what we belong, and how we enter into the community with one another. The best way that I can think to explain really what is happening in this passage for you is to look at my most favorite of Dr. Seuss books, The Sneetches. Any Sneetch fans in here? Anybody not read The Sneetches? Oh my goodness, if you haven't, please read it. You can also actually go on YouTube and have it read to you, The Joys of Technology Today. But the Sneetches are my absolute favorite. So the story starts out with two kinds of Sneetches. One of them are Now the star-bellied Sneetches had bellies with stars. But the plain-bellied Sneetches had none upon Mars. No stars on their bellies, no stars upon Mars. Now those stars weren't so big, they were really quite small. You would think such a thing wouldn't matter at all. But because they had stars, all the star-bellied Sneetches would brag. We're the best kind of Sneetch on the beaches. With their snoots in the air, they would sniff and they'd snort. They'd have nothing to do with a plain belly sort. Ronald, remember, when you are out walking, you walk past a sneech of that type without talking. Keep your snoot in the air and remember to snort. We have no truck whatever with the plain bellied sort. When the star-bellied children went out to play ball, could a plain belly get in the game? Not at all. You only could play if your bellies had stars, and the plain belly children had none upon the Yeah, yeah, your belly's got no stars. 
twinkle, stupid little star. If there's one upon your tummy that's just yummy, you're my chummy. If there isn't, you're a crummy, slummy, gummy, bummy, dummy. <laughs> you get the idea, right? <laughs> but luckily, the story doesn't end there, okay? A stranger comes into town with a machine that can give the non-star belly sneeches a star on their belly, of course, for a price, right? And so they go right into the machine, finally feeling as if they have it made. But then the original star bellies get angry and end up going into the machine to have their stars taken off for a price, right? So after a time of the sneeches going in and out of the machine, they become all mixed up so that they don't know who's who and what's what or who has a star originally and who didn't. And finally, they're out of money and confused, and they learn their lesson as the stranger goes off into the night with a fat stack of cash, right? That it doesn't matter if there's a star on your belly or not. A sneech is a sneech, and they belong to each other. No one is better. No one is more privileged. No one is left out. So for a children's story, I heard an amen back there, a children's story, it's quite profound, isn't it? And one we can learn over and over again as adults. And it teaches us how we are wired as human beings. That this mentality of us versus them is part of our ingrained neurobiology. We can't escape it. But we can challenge it by doing away with our preconceived notions of others. We can get ourselves out of the trap that most of us have fallen into when we say things like, I can hate large groups of strangers because the members of those groups who I happen to know and like are rare exceptions. So take the election, for example. During the election season, people were heated, right? They're very heated. And I can't tell you how many times I heard someone say, well, those Democrats or those Republicans, followed by, well, except for my neighbor who, it's okay. Yeah? There are always exceptions when we try to lump people together, aren't there? One of the most challenging things that I'm doing right now is serving as one of the clergy persons that was elected to go to the general conference session. The global meeting of the United Methodist Church meets every four years to make decisions for the whole denomination. So there are eight laity and eight clergy elected from the Indiana Conference to be a part of the delegation. And I was elected in 2019 for the 2020 General Conference. However, because of COVID, that's been pushed back now until at least the fall of 2022, although we don't know for sure if that's going to happen then or not. So it has been a contentious time amongst those in the delegation who disagree on many things, especially, of course, around the topic of human sexuality in the United Methodist Church. Now, I admit that at times I find myself very angry at certain individuals as they share their thoughts and opinions and the way that they go about sharing them. Because many of us are tired, we're weary of the discussion, but we have to press on, and because of COVID delaying, it's like we're stuck together. <laughs> we're stuck together much longer than we had anticipated. And if I'm not careful, I find myself smack in the middle of that us versus them mentality, and I have to redirect my thoughts before I say something. 
Brene Brown, in her book, Braving the Wilderness, talks about the human need to belong and the ways that we seek to belong, first and foremost, to ourselves. Sometimes that means braving the wilderness, setting boundaries, being able to stand on your own truth, and embracing vulnerability in order to fully belong to yourself. As part of this, she proposes ways for people to face difficult situations in a very polarized world. One of the ways she challenges us to face this truth is by saying this, that people are hard to hate close up, move in. People are hard to hate close up, move in. Now, as much as I sometimes might not like to admit it, I found this to be true. Whenever I find myself getting a little heated by something a person has said or done, I have to remember that they, too, have a narrative from which they are speaking. They have past hurts. They have personal lives. They have successes and failures and experiences that have shaped them. They have joy and they have pain. This doesn't mean that I have to agree with or like what they are saying, but it does mean that I need to consider that this, too, is a person with a right to speak and a right to an opinion. Perhaps this is why the Indiana Conference came up with these Christian conferencing guidelines several years ago, and you should have each grabbed one when you walked in. If not, please get one on the way out. They're for you to take home, and maybe you need to paste it on your fridge or your workplace or wherever you might find them helpful, <laughs> or your pocket, maybe pull them out, or road rage, or your car, I don't know, wherever you need them. <laughs> you know, I know who you are. So they came up with these several years ago, and we used them at our delegation meeting every single time because we know it's going to be difficult. Whatever we're talking about will be difficult. And we ask ourselves, how are we doing at holding ourselves accountable to these? We admit the times that we have failed, which is very often. <laughs> we also celebrate the times that we have succeeded in following them. And we keep them in front of us as a guide and oftentimes a challenge. So perhaps you too will find them helpful as we lift up the gift of Christian conferencing today. So they say this, Respect others as Jesus would have done when he was here on earth. Pray for others as well as yourself, especially those with whom you disagree. Listen to others before thinking about what you want to say in response. Understand what others are saying so clearly that you could accurately state their view. Share your own point of view with grace and humility as well as honesty and candor. Focus your comments on issues being raised, not on persons expressing them. Commit yourselves to the unity of the Spirit, seeking consensus whenever possible. Give the time needed to work through the process in which you are engaged. And my number one personal challenge is number nine. Acknowledge that you may be wrong even when you think you are right. Yikes, that one's tough. Allow the fruit of the Spirit to permeate your way of interacting with others. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control.
Which ones are most challenging for you? Or the easiest? Invite you to consider them. We need to center ourselves on these guiding principles as we continue to navigate these uncertain times together. Now, more than ever, people are digging their heels in from anything from policies around wearing masks at the school board meetings to vaccinations to gun control or political stances to the ways that we parent, to whom we love, how we spend our time, our money, etc. People are angry at one another because they refuse to see the other side. People are angry because we forget all too easily that we are human beings, all with our own joys and pains and challenges. And that's just it. At the root of it all is this human need to belong. When we are willing to engage in loving, respectful dialogue with the humanity of each person at the front and center, we are able to further our mission together. This speaks volumes as to what we can be as a church, the Church of Jesus Christ. And if we are unable to accept this example, then who will? In today's world, it's becoming more and more difficult to find examples of people overcoming their differences to better one another and to make a difference in our world. But not all hope is lost. Consider the people of the Pakistani village of Kabatstad, for example. The village got worried when they heard about violence in the nearby town of Gorja. A Muslim mob had attacked a Christian community and had torn the whole town into a mess of violence and hatred. They did not want that happening in their town. So when their local Christian church was swept away in a monsoon, they got the chance to do something about it. The Muslims of the town started a fundraiser to help the Christians out, partly out of sympathy and partly as a way to bring two split sides of the community together. Muslims helped out eagerly, donating every penny that they could, and they raised enough to build a brand new church for their Christian neighbors. A church is also a house of Allah, one Muslim shopkeeper said about it. We worship the same God. The early Christians debated about whether or not those Gentiles should be fully accepted into the life of the church. Those sneeches were too hung up on those little stars to see a fellow sneech. A group of Methodist pastors and lay people struggle often to find consensus and decision-making and then hoping to rebuild the life of the future of the church. These all have one thing in common. It's the struggle to see the humanity and likeness in the other. A struggle to recall that at our core, we all need a place to belong. And there's a forgetfulness around the fact that we worship the same God. As Renee Brown says, once again, people are hard to hate close up. So move in, move in. So may we hear this challenge today as we continue this journey together. Amen. Amen. I love the story in Acts 15 of the church council coming together. Um, 
mainly because of what it doesn't say that you know happened, because it makes it kind of seem like it was this nice meeting. <laughs> but I almost guarantee there was yelling, <laughs> and there were people who were heated about whether or not circumcision was necessary. There may have even been people who stormed out of the meeting. But that's not the focus. That's not what the story wants or needs to tell us about. What it needs to tell us about is the people saying, we did not see fit to burden people with something that we ourselves can't bear. I love the way the New International Version puts it because when they write the letter, they write, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to not burden you. It seemed good. (laughs) And today, we don't always have a lot of things that seem good (laughs) to everyone. I'd like to think that one of those things is this table, that it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us that anyone is welcome at this table. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you have a star on your belly. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised or you follow other rituals. It's an open table. In the Methodist church, we believe as such. You don't have to be a member of this church or any church to share with us in Holy Communion. The only thing that we ask is that you desire a deeper relationship with God. And so, as we approach the table today, we remember. We remember the night that Jesus was killed. He was eating with his friends, and he took bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his friends, and he said, Eat. This is my body, which is for you. And after supper, he took a cup and he blessed it. And he gave it to his friends and he said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. As you approach the table today, we invite you to take a communion cup. You can take communion here. You can come and light a candle at one of the benches or just simply kneel and pray. You can take it back to your seats. Take the time that you need to encounter the living God today. Let's pray together. God, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you openly today. We thank you that thousands of years ago, a heated debate ended in something seeming good to the people and to the Holy Spirit. That we would be inviting of all people, Jew, Gentile, slave or free, male or female, that all would be welcome in the body of Christ. We ask today as we approach this table that you would just you would fill us with that love, God, with a love that is open to all people, to 
a community of believers that makes the world look like your kingdom. God, we ask today as we do each week that you make these gifts of food and drink to be for us the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And we pray this all in his holy name. Amen. You're welcome to come to the table when you are ready. If you'd like to bring your action cards or your offering, you can leave it at the altar as well. Come, friends.
you stand and join us as we close with worship?
thank you so much for joining us today. We invite you now to go in peace. And remember, move in. Move in. It is hard to hate close up. Move in. Go in peace.